Who's ready for the word today? All right. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And we'll begin in verse 21. Peter approaches Jesus. He has a question. Jesus responds. And then Jesus goes into a parable after his response to Peter. Master communicator, Jesus, always. So Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talent. But as he was not able to pay... His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Notice that, forgave the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Sound familiar? But he would not. So he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came told their master what had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to speak to us today, God. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear our hearts. Lord, would you prepare them like fertile soil and fertile ground to receive with gladness the implanted word today that would grow up and produce fruit in our lives. Um, Lord, I ask that you just speak through me and use me in these moments ahead as your vessel, as your instrument. I am your servant, God. Just lead me and direct me, and I will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the title of my message today is Freedom in Forgiveness. Freedom in Forgiveness. Peter comes to Jesus, and he begins with this question and it's a fair question because they don't know the answer to this yet and he's asking because he wants to know how does he interact with relationships how does he do this thing called life with the people around him and he says lord how many times should i forgive my brother seven is seven good enough lord now, seven is kind of a message of a, a number of completement, uh, completion, fulfillment. It's kind of like a whole number in Hebrew. Um, 
And so Peter's like, is that, is that okay? Can we go with seven, Lord? Because I, I think I can handle seven, but I'm just hoping you're not going to say many more than that. Now, how many people, let's be honest, how many people have you ever had to deal with somebody in your life and you feel like I'm way past seven with them, right? I mean, and, and they're kind of like that sandpaper where you wish maybe, if you're honest, that Jesus would have said seven's cool, seven's good. But he didn't say that. So sorry. He says 70 times 7, actually. Now, before you become too literal in your interpretation and you break out your notepad and you start tallying marks down, anxiously anticipating the 491st time that your brother offends you, so you don't have to forgive him, that's actually not what Jesus was implying either. He was saying 70 times 7, which is infinite. 7 is completion, and then there's 70, which is the fullness of completion. And 70 times 7 was like, that was the largest way of saying there's no end. It was a way of saying that there's no limit to how much you should forgive. So there is a challenge there that Jesus issues to Peter, to the disciples, and might I just say, he's issuing to us today. But here's the thing we have to understand. Anytime Jesus gives us a command, let me ask you, is it for our bad or for our good? Always for our good. Even when it seems hard in the flesh to follow, we know that the outcome is always for our good. What Jesus was trying to demonstrate, and we see many times over throughout Scripture, is that for his people to understand if they want to really walk in the fullness of the freedom that Jesus has planned for us, we have to be willing to live a life with a pattern of forgiveness. That there is, in fact, freedom for us in our lives when we choose to forgive those who have wronged us. And I'm going to say this. When they have wronged you, treated you poorly, wounded you, and hurt you, and I know because I've heard horrible stories over the years from folks that there are terrible things that have been done and inflicted upon people, probably for sure people in this room, that it is not justified at all what was done to you. doesn't make it right or condone it. But for the sake of your soul as your pastor, I plead with you to understand that there is nothing profitable for you if you are unwilling to forgive others in your life. That there is freedom for you and your soul if you are willing to live a life where you can forgive those who have wronged you and treated you poorly. You have every right to be upset. You've been hurt and you've been wrong. But how you respond to that has everything to do with the quality of life that you will live. You see, when we choose to forgive... Not only does it bring freedom to us in our lives, listen, but forgiveness actually builds a bridge towards unity. 
it creates a bridge for unity to be possible. Now, let me ask you a question in context of everything going on in our world today. Do we need more unity or less unity? Division is everywhere. So if the people of God aren't living their lives in a way where we're representing the life that Jesus is asking us to live so that we can build bridges in our world for unity to be possible. Tell me, how will it be possible? If not, if people of God aren't doing that. We can say, listen, we can say that we are against division all we want to. We see the videos. We see the horrible things everywhere. And we can get fired up and say, this is division everywhere. I can't stand it. We can say we're against division, but if we're really against division, that means we have to be for unity. And if we're going to be for unity, then we have to be willing to forgive. (laughs) You get that? Because if we're unwilling to forgive, then we are an agent for division. Ugh. Division, listen... It's the devil's work. It's the devil's work. So when we are agents for division through unforgiveness, then we are doing the devil's work for him. Ah, wow. We need unity. We need unity. So for the sake of our world and for the sake of your soul, let's hear the words of Jesus today and let's understand that he's compelling us to live a life where we truly are willing to forgive those who have hurt us, who have wronged us, who have offended us. Guaranteed that there are people who came in here today that have been harboring unforgiveness in their lives for probably a really, really long time. And you may not realize it. I pray that it surfaces for you today through revelation of the Holy, by the Holy Spirit that it is creating a stumbling block in your life for many of the things that God has for you. It's according to Scripture, it's so, and I'll prove that to you. Let's take a look at a few things. First of all, the first point that I have for you is that we, we see here that there's an unpayable debt. Okay, there's an unpayable debt. You've got to understand the correlation between, in the parable between the two relationships. We have a relationship between the master and a servant, and then we have another relationship which is between a servant and another servant, okay? Now, we know that the master represents Jesus, and then we have the first servant, and here's the way it describes that relationship. It says that that servant owes 10,000 talents. Now, this will be fun for all of you who appreciate math today. 10, no, (laughs) yeah, like, I'm out, check. Uh, (laughs) I'll be back when you're done. So 10,000 talents is what this servant owes the master. One talent could take up to two decades to earn with normal wages. 10,000 talents, based on accounting principles, was the largest figure that they had for currency representation. That was it. That was as high as they went with their accounting practices. So what does that mean? It doesn't just mean a number, 10,000 talents. 
If it took two decades, John, to make one talent, we're talking about 200,000 years. So the master throws him, is going to throw him in jail, and his wife and kids and everybody are going to go into prison. What does the servant do? He begs him. He pleads with him. Please for, you know, forgive me. I'll pay you. He, he's he's going to try to pay the debt, but this is what the master understands. You're never going to pay me that debt. There's no way you can ever pay me that debt. So here's what I'm going to do. Because he has compassion and mercy. Sound familiar? Sound like anybody you know? He says because he has compassion and mercy, he forgives the debt. Wipes the slate clean. It's gone. It's no longer there. You no longer owe me anything. It's because it's an unpayable debt. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. When I forgave you, of your sin, when you put your faith and hope in me, and I breathed my spirit into you and forgave you of your sin and promised you eternity as an inheritance with me, I forgave you an unpayable debt. You could never have paid it. There was no earning potential in you to satisfy this account. You could never settle this with me on your own. I had to forgive you of it in order to make you free. Oh, hallelujah. Then that same servant, oh, you know, you just sometimes, don't you get it? That same servant goes out, and he has another servant who owes him a hundred denarii. Now let's break that down. Because a denarii was about a day's wage. So we're talking roughly three, three and a half months worth of income pretty insignificant compared to the debt that was just forgiven that servant do you get it and he goes out for three months worth of wages and he won't forgive his servant he won't forgive his brother he wants to throw him in prison and hold him in bondage and require him to pay back what's owed of him this is what the master says, you wicked servant. I can't believe you would do that. This is what Jesus is saying to us today. I'm asking you to forgive your brothers and sisters for things that are happening in the world that they do against you. And I'm asking you to do that because I have already forgiven you of something much grander and much more significant that was completely unpayable. What I've done for you pales, what you are, I'm asking you to do pales in comparison to what I've done for you. That's what Jesus is saying. saying, I'm asking you to live a life of forgiveness. And I'm asking you to do that because I've already forgiven you of something that you could have never paid on your own. He has the right to ask us of that of us. And he understands that when we do, He's inviting us into a place of freedom that we will be able to live in. He's not doing it to punish us, to make us miserable. That's the irony. He's actually doing it to set us free and keep us free and live whole and sound mind and not be tormented and tortured by the bitterness of unforgiveness that creeps up and grows in our lives when we harbor that. Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. 
It was unconditional when I gave it to you, so I'm asking you to give it unconditionally as well. No strings attached. But then we can begin to taint the way we handle it and put our strings and things on it when Jesus says, don't do that. I want you to live the way that I have just treated you. And if you do, you'll find freedom in that. So when we forgive, when we choose to forgive others who have wronged us, what we do, it's like we actually sow a seed of faith in obedience to what Jesus is telling us to do. I'm going to forgive him, Lord, because you say it. I'm going to do it in obedience to you and in faith. And then Jesus says, I got a promise for that. I got a blessing for that. And I'm going to enrich and improve your life because you're able to let that thing go. Everybody say, let it go. Point number two. Actually, before I get to there, let me say this. Peter says this. He says that we need to love others with a sincere love. Okay? The word sincere in the Greek is a word anahippokratos. You may get this quickly. Hippokratos is where we get the English word hypocrite from which means to fake something or try to look like something you're not. So Anna is the opposite of. So just put Anna on the a prefix on the beginning of Hippocratos, and he says, I want you to love others non-hypocritically, not like a hypocrite, meaning you've been loved. Don't go out and show the world a hypocritical representation of the one that you serve. If you've been forgiven and then you go out and you won't forgive, you look like a hypocrite because you're doing the opposite of what's been done for you. The world needs to see a picture of the real Jesus, not an opposite of Jesus, right? They need to see real forgiveness at work in and through his people so they can peer through that and actually see the one who really forgives the unpaid debt that they need to get satisfied but if we come and we won't forgive then we are hypocritos we are hypocrites and Jesus always admonished hypocrisy and Pharisees he was against it all the time and we don't look like the message that we are trying to deliver he says there's a breakdown every time that you do that love with a sincere love forgive Freely, as you receive, freely give. And when you do, you look like the real thing. You look like the one you serve who's already forgiven you all. Isn't that powerful? Freely you've received, freely give. Second point now is unforgiveness tortures the soul. Unforgiveness tortures the soul. Man, I can't... I can't exaggerate this next point too much for you today. In fact, if I was to say, what are a list of just top five things that you think every Christian needs to know, live daily in, walk in, be really strong in, this is one of the things that I'm going to unpack here in this point number two that I believe would make that list for sure. Because unforgiveness will, will rot the soul. It's so serious. Listen, I remember one time that uh, a few years back where there was a woman in the church, and I had done something to offend her, you know. And I thought it was a pretty petty thing, little thing, but it offended her nonetheless. And so 
I went to her like you're supposed to do. I apologized, um, and she would not forgive me. Unforgiveness. She would not forgive me. Okay, you know, so I went and did what the Bible says. I went and brought another person back with me and confronted the situation, explained, hey, you know, you, it's sincere, it's an apology, you need to forgive, and unwilling, unwilling to forgive, harboring unforgiveness. This is, and I know how serious unforgiveness is. It creates division in your life and in your church, everywhere, right? So, I mean, now you're at the point, according to church governance, right, Matthew 18, now you've got to go and you've got to ask them to leave the church. It's terrible when it gets to this point, but sometimes it does. Unwilling to forgive, unwilling to deal with their sin. And so I go the third time, and I've had it. I mean, I'm just like, you know, trying to keep myself calm. I sit her down. I look right across the table. I look her straight in the eye, and I say, listen, Katie, this has got to stop. <laughs> Y'all look so intense. You're like, whoa. <sighs> wonder if she's still here. I wonder who... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Too bad she wasn't here for that, you know? <sighs> Downstairs in the kids' area. Anyway, so <laughs> unforgiveness tortures the soul. So look, look at what happens in the parable. When the servant is unwilling to forgive the other servant, then the master, what does he do? He turns him over to the torturers. Unfor and and you got to understand, torture in those days was constant. It never ended. Prisoners were always in shackles. They were in yokes. They were in bondages and chains. They were beaten. They were scourged. They were whipped. It, it was done for the enjoyment of the soldiers. I mean, it was a horrific experience that never, ever stopped. When we choose to harbor unforgiveness, listen to me. We open the door in our lives to tormenting spirits. And it will continue to gnaw at us and torment us and rot away at our emotional man, our soul, as long as we allow it to stay. He was turned over to the torturers and the tormenting ensued from that point on. You see... This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, if you, those who you forgive anything, I will also forgive. For indeed, if I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven the one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Now listen to this. He's talking about forgiveness. We've dealt with the issue. We've addressed it. We've confronted it in the church. That's the context of this. And he's saying, but if, after all that's done, we need to forgive them. We need to forgive them and move on. If you forgive them, I'm going to forgive them. And this is what he said, we do this, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This is huge. He's saying, you've dealt with the matter, you've addressed it, now let's finish the job, we need to forgive. You see that? Because he's saying, if you don't forgive, then you are playing right into Satan's tactics. And we know his devices. So shame on us if we're not able to go a different route, right? So we know his devices. And this is what he says in Ephesians 4. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Listen, and do not give the devil a foothold. Everybody say foothold. 
Okay, so this is the part that I want to explain to you that I think is on that top five list that everybody needs to understand. Unforgiveness, like other sins, but unforgiveness, it opens the door in our lives when we choose not to forgive for tormenting spirits to come in. And it says when we do this, the devil gets a foothold. Now picture a door slightly opening and he slips his foot in and now he's wedged it open. That's what happens in the beginning state of when someone hurts you and wounds you and you have the opportunity to forgive and you choose not to and you begin to harbor unforgiveness. It's the beginning point and the devil gets his foot in there and the door is now wedged. Then what he begins to do is he begins to move in with tormenting spirits, okay? And he begins to construct something in our lives from a spiritual warfare perspective. He begins to start building what the Bible also talks about, not a foothold, but a stronghold. Okay, study this, stronghold. It's, it's a structure, it's a labyrinth, it's, it's very sophisticated, um, it's like an edifice, all built up, solid, secure, fortified. So the enemy comes in, Wade, and he begins to just waylay on us. He begins to set up shop, and he begins to construct in our lives his device, which is a stronghold, which now begins to lock us down and stifle us and begin to harm us in unprecedented ways in our lives. Many people are bound up in strongholds, and it changes their whole lens of thinking and perspective. They see the world through the stronghold. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. Now everybody is a source of pain, or everything flows through this stronghold. You understand that? And it becomes a completely dysfunctional, unhealthy way to live. But the thing is, the enemy cannot just come into the life of a child of God and do that if he's not permitted to. That's the thing we have to understand, is that when we choose not to forgive, we give the devil a foothold, and he now has legal right to occupy this place in our lives because we have permitted him to. Do you hear that? Do you see that? This is how powerful. And so we give him a place where he gets a foothold, and as long as he's allowed to stay, we don't forgive. He begins to go about the work very busily of constructing a stronghold because a stronghold never exists where there wasn't first a foothold. Never. Does that make sense? And this is the craziness of this. When we don't forgive, we think we're punishing someone else. We think that we're holding them accountable. We think that we're going to settle this account and get this debt collected. They're going to get theirs. I'm going to make sure that they know how it feels. Praise God, I, I am, I'm never going to be able to forgive them for that. When we do these things, we go about this under this illusion that somehow we're putting them in the bad position and we're putting ourselves in the elevated position. We say, I'm not going to forgive them. They've hurt me. They've wronged me. There's no way they are going to make this right. 
And we think that they're the ones that are back there behind the bars when in reality we've actually just put ourselves in our own prison. And now we are trapped inside of this stronghold that continues to build. Does this picture speak to you today? You think the person out there is the one that's in bondage when really you're the one that's living in bondage when we're not willing to forgive. Wow. But here's what's beautiful about Jesus. Even if there's been a stronghold established in your life that's been constructed over years and years and years, and I've seen them, many of them have. And this is where I get really, really fired up and excited. Because, yes, healing can take time and can take seasons. And good counseling and good processes are very important for long-term healing. But the stronghold that the enemy has set up, hold on. <laughs> the stronghold that the enemy has set up that may have been there for years in your life. Hey, we're all people. If you think right now, you think, oh, I feel guilty because I gave the devil a stronghold. Welcome to the club. Okay? Or I gave him a foothold. Welcome to the club. My question is, what are you going to do about it now that you see it? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It is violent warfare that we see when we walk according to the power and authority of Christ. There may be a stronghold, but Jesus says, by my power... It's coming down, and it's coming down violently and aggressively, and we aren't going to mess around and play with that thing for the next five years. We're going to rip its power down to the dust and eliminate its hold over you in your life. And I'm telling you today that you can see a stronghold be broken down and ripped down immediately in your life and begin to walk out the healing and restoration from this point on. You see, the Word of God is powerful. It can deconstruct and reconstruct all at the same time. And no other philosophy, no other ideology, no other literary work can do that for you in your life. Only the living Word of God with power and effectiveness can do that for you, which leads to you living in victory. And I believe today when we pray at the end that we're going to pray for God to bring some strongholds down in people's lives. And we're going to see that happen. We're going to begin to experience a level of freedom that we haven't maybe seen in years in some cases. Amen? This is my last point that I want to make. Is that only God can judge. There's only one judge. You see, here's what we do. When we are unwilling to forgive, we actually put ourselves 
in the seat of the judge. We, we put ourselves in the place where we are now trying to be the judge who's going to settle the account. Please, have a fear of the Lord. You are incapable of that. Jesus, the Bible says it again and again and again, Jesus is the righteous judge. He is the one who will settle all accounts. Even Jesus demonstrated this in his earthly walk for us. Listen to what it says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. It says, when he was reveled, he did not revel in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. He was demonstrating this example. He says, they deserve to, to be dealt with for what they're doing to me. But I'm not. I'm committing myself to him who judges righteously. He's saying, I'm releasing them from that. And I'm turning over the settling of these accounts to, to one not my, that's not me. And so he turns it over to the Father. And he's saying an example for us that when we forgive, what we do is we release people from a debt. And we no longer try to be debt collectors. And we commit ourselves to him who judges righteously. We put our faith and hope in him and say, Lord, you will settle all accounts. And I trust you to deal with this person in this situation better than I ever could I'm going to commit myself to you forgive them and I'm going to walk in freedom and there is a peace and a joy that settles over your soul when you do that because the Lord will make sure that all things are accounted for and our hope is in him and not ourselves and when we do that listen to this 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 it says do not return evil for evil reveling for reveling but instead blessing knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Blows my mind. When we forgive them, we bless them. Doesn't the Lord say bless your enemies? Isn't that amazing? When we forgive them, we actually bless them. And the Lord says, now that you've done that, you're going to inherit a blessing from me. And we open ourselves to receive a blessing that we're not open to receive as long as we're not willing to forgive. But listen, we've got to be willing to forgive. Oh, this is going to hurt. I'm just warning you. This is going to hurt. We've got to be willing to forgive even when they're not sorry. If you want freedom. If you want freedom. It's not conditional, remember? I know they've hurt me. I know they've wounded me. For my soul's sake, I need to forgive them. You might be saying, Pastor, I don't know how I can. It's, I don't know if I can. Listen to me. This is one of the things I've learned over the years. Anything God is asking you to do, he's able to empower you to do. Okay? He'll never ask you to do something that he's not there to assist you in and help you do. This is what I found. Are you willing to forgive? You see, being willing means you are turning your will towards God's. Unwilling or rebellious is you're turning your will away from God's. That's unforgiveness. That's a, that's a dangerous place to be. It's turning your will away from God's. But when you're willing to forgive, you're turning your will towards God's. You're saying, Lord, I'm willing. I desire to. Will you help me? 
And then the Lord will help you to do what you can't do on your own. Isn't that beautiful? Are you willing to forgive? That's the question that I would ask you today. We know that Jesus said, in the end times, this is in Matthew 24, he said, when the end is near, whole chapter 24, Jesus is giving some indication of things that will be happening when it's close to his return. Okay, listen to this. Matthew chapter 24, I don't think I gave you this, verse 10, says, many will be offended in that time. Many will be offended. Many will betray one another, and many will hate one another. Does that sound familiar? You see, a sign of the nearing of end times is that offenses and bitterness are widespread. Widespread. Will we be an agent of unity or an agent of division? It's easy to look on things and say, oh, division's bad, unity's good, we need this. And then all of a sudden, I got to forgive? Whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, hold the phone. Well, we're the body of Christ. We're the army of God. We're meant to be on the front lines leading the way in this thing. If not us, then who? Because I'll lose my hope quick if the people of God aren't willing to go live authentic Christianity. You say, man, I just, I don't know if I'm able to do that. Well, listen, when Jesus was on the cross, some of his final words, you remember what he said? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. One of the beautiful pictures of forgiveness in Scripture. They just killed the man. They just beat him and tortured him, and now he's getting ready to die for a crime he was innocent of. And he has the ability to say, Father, forgive them. See, I don't know if I could do that. Well, we're transformed more and more into the image and likeness of Christ as we walk with him, are we not? jump ahead in the scripture at Acts chapter 7 there's a guy named Stephen first martyr recorded in the Bible book of Acts, Stephen goes out he's ministering the gospel, people are getting saved and all of a sudden the opponents of the gospel set in and then they stone him they stone him Adrian until he's in his last moments and he's getting ready to die and says he looks up and he sees a sign of glory in the heavens you know what he says he says Lord don't hold this against them. Forgive them. This guy actually looked like Jesus, man. He really looked like him in this moment. I want to look like Jesus in the moments where the world really needs to see it. And forgiveness is the way that Jesus treats us. It's the way that our relationship is founded upon that with him. And he's asking us, now you go and do for others what I've done for you. I forgave you an unpayable debt. I'm asking you to forgive them of much lesser debts than what I've forgiven you of. And so if we're going to become the people that God has created us to be, the church is going to be the church that God wants to use in this world today. We have got to be conduits, agents of forgiveness in a world that's fighting for hate and division at every cost. Forgive quickly. Forgive freely. And develop a pattern of forgiveness 
in your life. And you'll live with a greater level of joy and peace than you can ever imagine. And if you're willing, Jesus will help you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the team back up. I'm going to ask you to stand. As I indicated a few moments ago, I feel like we just need to pray today for people who are here and we're going through this message and you're saying, wow, I didn't come in expecting this today. (laughs) You got right up in my stuff. But if we're honest, doesn't the Lord want to remove anything that's hindering us from more intimacy with him and the things that he has for us? Maybe the Lord's saying, no, son, daughter, this is exactly what we need to deal with today. We need to uproot this thing. You know, the Bible says that the root of bitterness leads to all kinds of other sin. A lot of times when you see patterns of sin, even addictions, substances, things like that in people's lives, it's really blown me away, opened my eyes over the years. Many times, these other types of sins that the Bible says we defile ourselves with are actually a result of a root of bitterness and offense and unforgiveness that's lodged deep in their soul. And when that thing gets uprooted, all of a sudden they live with greater power and authority and victory in all kinds of other areas of their lives. Unforgiveness renders us weaker, spiritually speaking, and more vulnerable to other attacks of the enemy when we harbor that. You say, I'm ready to let it go today. Whatever it is, you think about it, you picture it, that person, that thing, whatever it is, you tell the Lord, I am willing, Lord, I want to forgive. I am willing to forgive. Will you help me forgive, God? I don't want this root of bitterness in my life. Maybe this thing goes back years. There's a stronghold. The Lord is opening your eyes to it right now today. Very profound, but very simple. We are going to pray, and it's going to wreck that thing down to the base. We're going to tear it down. If you're willing to allow the Lord to do what he can do, you're going to see something happen in your life today. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And I say, whatever that thing is, you, you picture it right now. You, you get before the Lord. You're at his feet. He's a loving father with a warm embrace. You say, Lord, I'm willing to forgive. I want to forgive.